Well, good morning. Good morning. I'm Michael Flake, one of the pastors here. Good to be together as a church family this morning. Whether you are cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there is room for you at Lake Forest Davidson. This is a safe place to learn, to grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. Well, I... uh, we're all having to deal with things that are a little different than we had expected. I read a few weeks ago the Olympics has been postponed for a year. And so I thought this morning we might do a little Olympic-themed exercise to let us at least enjoy a little bit of what the Olympics are. So I'm going to ask you to think of your medal platform, your gold, silver, bronze medalist, first, second, third place, bronze, silver, gold medalist, in some different categories, and uh, and you can either share them with the folks in the room where you are, or if uh, just think of it in your own mind, or put something in the comments. But here we go. Tell me, what would you say, gold, silver, bronze medal, something that has become unexpectedly valuable in the last two months? What has become unexpectedly valuable in the last two months? Gold, silver, bronze. Think about it. Talk about it amongst yourselves or with with folks you're with. What's become unexpectedly valuable? Thoughts? My bicycle. Bicycles. Yeah, that'd have to be somewhere on the thing. Baseball glove. Baseball glove. I was going to say sidewalk chalk is a uh, uh, unexpected gold medalist. Coffee maker is coming close. <laughs> Coffee maker, toilet paper. Uh huh. So there you go. Okay, let's try another one. Let's uh, gold, silver, bronze medal. Something you have started to miss over the last two months. Gold, silver, bronze. Something you have started to miss over the last two months. Good toilet. <laughs> Hugs. Hugs. Being together for church, yep. Hugs again. More hugs. Oh, no. <laughs> Sitting in a restaurant. Working. Working, yep. Absolutely. I don't know what you guys are adding, but I'm sure it's wonderful. This is I'm playing the game with my room here with our musicians and, and technology folks. Okay, gold, silver, bronze. Someone you have a new appreciation for. Over these last few months, someone you have developed a new appreciation for. Mm. Grocery store workers. Medical workers. workers. Chase. Chase. Chase is who does our technology on Sundays. Moms who choose to homeschool. Your moms who choose to homeschool. That's right. My child's teachers, I have a new appreciation for. (laughs) Very good. Okay, last one, last one. Gold, silver, bronze. Uh, And and you may decide to keep some of these in your head if they're in the same room as you, but I'm just trying to think through. Someone you've realized over the last few months really needs Jesus. (laughs) Gold, silver, bronze. People, someone you've realized really needs Jesus. Gold, silver, bronze. (laughs) They are hard to deal with. They get on your last nerve. Who do you know? Gold, silver, bronze. Who really needs 
Jesus. Okay, well, uh, we continue our series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. As Ryland read for us earlier, Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To remember the big picture, when you follow Jesus, when you come to follow Jesus, if you ever become a follower of Jesus, in that moment, Jesus sends God the Holy Spirit into your life. And the Holy Spirit empowers you, empowers you with a dynamite-like power, not just a little piddly power, a dynamite-like power. And he's empowering you, the Spirit is empowering you with this dynamite-like power in large part because he is redirecting the purpose of your life. He is making you and me as a follower of Jesus into someone who is also a minister for Jesus, a messenger for Jesus, a witness to Jesus, an ambassador for Jesus. So the Spirit is empowering us to live a life that points people towards God. And one of the chief ways that the Holy Spirit does this is he transforms our character. He transforms us into someone of a more Jesus Christ-like character. That's what the Bible means when it says the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is alive and active inside of us. And so we begin to see this fruit manifesting itself in our lives. Now, fruit implies cultivation. And cultivation... It, shows that this is a partnership. Cultivating the fruit of the Holy Spirit is a partnership between you as a follower of Jesus, or if you become a follower of Jesus, between you and God. Now, it's not an equal partnership. God, the Holy Spirit, is doing this. You and I are doing this. But we all have a part to play in this cultivation. That's different than the forgiveness of God or the, being reconciled to God. That's a gift. It's a gift we receive. It's not something we earn, not something we deserve. It, it, being reconciled to God through Jesus is a gift. But once we receive the gift, we enter into the partnership of cultivating a different sort of life, a life that points people to God by the power of the Holy Spirit, chiefly cultivating this more Jesus Christ-like character. So today we want to look at patience, or what some translations will call forbearance. I prefer patience just because that's a word we use more often. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. We talked about joy last week. Peace, patience, or forbearance is the one we're doing today. In fact, we uh, got a, a uh, I think the joy one worked because we got a, 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 one of the families in the church this week welcomed a new uh, little child into the world. And they announced it by saying, we are full of joy, capital letters. Which I thought meant, oh, they listened to the sermon last week. I'm not sure if that's true or not. But you'll remember joy is delighting in God. So even with the gift of a child, seeing through the gift, working through the gift to, or the blessing to be more in love, closer to the blesser, to be delighting in God, joy. But today is patience. Patience. Now we know what the absence of patience looks like, right? When I need something right now. I can't wait. And in fact, I miss out on some really wonderful things because I need everything right now. If it has to bake for any period of time, I don't care about it. I need it right now. Sometimes the absence of patience looks like being quick-tempered, quick-tempered with the people we love, people we're closest to, people we depend upon the most. 
Do you ever suffer from a lack of patience? In the last hour or so, have you suffered from a lack of patience? Do you, do I, let our tempers get the better of us in certain situations? Or do we miss out on wonderful things in life? Uh, things like relationships that take time to develop because we are so caught up in instant gratification. We know the absence of patience, but what is patience? I would define patience as an ability to face trouble or delay without blowing up. Patience is an ability to face trouble or to face delay without blowing up. In a, a very nice book on the a, a very nice a book he wrote about Galatians, the the pastor and author Timothy Keller says that the opposite of patience is resentment. That's an interesting, you know. I would think impatience is the opposite, but he says it's resentment, resentment towards God or resentment towards others. In other words, why don't you do what I want when you, when I want you to do it? Resentment is the opposite of patience. That blowing up may be out of resentment. The, the other observation I want to point out is that sometimes we confuse patience or we, we accept a counterfeit version of patience. We confuse patience with cynicism or with a lack of caring altogether. So I may seem patient, but that's really because I've just checked out. I've quit caring altogether. I keep calm, but that's because I've detached myself from what matters most. The people that, that I love, the, the things in life that really matter. I look patient, but I'm really just detached. Now, the truth is there are some things we could afford to care less about. That's not the point of what I'm saying today. But I'm saying in the, the people in our lives, the things that most matter in our lives, there's a difference between patience and checking out. So how do we lean into the Holy Spirit to cultivate patience in our lives? The ability to face trouble, to face delay without blowing up or without checking out. Well, patience, as you might imagine, is an important theme of the Bible. With any of these fruit of the Spirit, it, it's a useful exercise if you have the time and the desire to find a searchable Bible and, and to type the word in and just see where it appears throughout the Scripture and kind of take a next level down in this series. The Proverbs, the wisdom books of the Old Testament say a lot about patience. That's where Job is. And when we think patience in the Bible, we might think the patience of Job. But interestingly, patience is something most, most often uh, a, a word that describes Jesus. Now, you may have been able to guess that since it's a church service. And actually, when patience is describing Jesus, it's often describing how Jesus relates to the world even still. So it's not just about the earthly ministry of Jesus, but how Jesus continues to relate to the world even now, how Jesus relates to you and to me. This is a, an example of that uh, from 2 Peter 3.9. Look at, look at this verse. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So let's kind of flesh that verse out a little bit. If you've been tuning in the last few weeks, you might remember that Jesus has always existed. He's always been, but he came to earth. And when he came to earth, he lived and suffered and died. And never forget this part, resurrected. That was the Easter sermon over and over and over again. 
That's what Jesus did. And then what we saw is after Jesus' resurrection, he ascended, he returned back to, to heaven. And then sometime in the future, he will return, call everyone to account for the lives they've lived, and usher in the eternal peace. So Jesus lived and suffered and died, and never forget this part, resurrected. Then he ascended, he will one day return and call people to account for their lives and usher in the eternal peace. So you and I live between the ascension of Jesus and the return of Jesus. That's where we live. And during that time, as we learned the first week of this series, what's happening is God the Holy Spirit is powering forward. He is empowering the spread of the ministry and the mission of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the love of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is empowering the spread of all that. So the ascension of Jesus would have happened somewhere around 30 to 35 A.D., about 60 or 70 A.D., a lot of the early Christians started to ask, so when is Jesus going to return? It seems like he's been gone a long time. And in fact, we still ask that question today. When is Jesus going to return? It seems like he's been gone for a long time. And every handful of years, somebody will say, I know for certain it's going to be tomorrow at 3 o'clock, and then a whole bunch of people will get together, and then tomorrow at 3 o'clock will come and nothing happens, and then they all go home sad. Or they start the Seventh-day Adventists. That's actually where that denomination started uh, from one of, these, uh, one of these, I know he's coming back tomorrow things. So we don't know when Jesus is going to return, but the question has been in Christianity from almost the beginning, why the delay, Jesus? Where are you? When is your return happening? Seems like you're being a little slow here. And Peter's point is, Jesus is not slow. It's not slow like you and I understand slowness. Jesus is being patient. He's patient with all of us. Jesus would be justified to say, look, you all have had enough time by now. I mean, a lot of you are just dawdling. You just show up at church and, well, you know, I'm, I'm serious about God, about number 38 on my list and all this sort of thing. Jesus would be justified in coming in and saying, y'all should have figured this out a long time ago. But here's the point. Jesus is patient with us. Jesus is patient with you. Jesus is patient with me. Jesus wants everyone to have the time and the space to repent, to be reconciled to God, to be made new, out with the old you, in with the new you because of Jesus. He is patient. This is a relationship he wants to cultivate with you. It is the central relationship of your life. And it's so important that he's not trying to rush it. Jesus is being patient with you. He's being patient with me. Why the delay in his return? Well, maybe it's not a delay. Maybe he's far more patient than you and I can ever realize. Jesus does not resent you for your struggles. Jesus does not resent you for the ways that you struggle to even turn over your life to him. He does not resent you for the ways you go backwards and I go backwards in our spiritual growth. And Jesus is not cynical about you. Jesus has not given up caring about you. He's not detached from you. He's not given up on you. He loves you deeply. He believes you're worth waiting for. Jesus told one parable, it's one of his better known parables, about... Um, uh, a son who takes his inheritance, his father's still alive, uh, so he's just pretending like his father's dead. 
He takes his inheritance and wastes it all. And then at some point, he starts walking home, you know, all sullen looking, sad looking. uh, And he's just going to offer to become a servant in his father's household. And what an interesting detail in the parable is that when the father sees him coming home, he runs out to meet him. This would seem to imply, Jesus doesn't say this in the parable. That parable is in Luke 15 if you want to look at it. But Jesus is implying, it seems to me, that the father would routinely look at the horizon to see if his lost son was coming home today, if his runaway son was going to come home today. He was worth waiting for. He was immensely patient in waiting for the runaway child to come home. And even once we've come home, once we've put our faith in Jesus, once we've come to follow Jesus, once we have entered into this dynamic and life-changing relationship with Jesus, even within that, our growth as a Christian is a process worth waiting for. Sometimes we're moving forward. Sometimes it feels exponential. And sometimes our spiritual growth curve is getting flattened. Sometimes we seem to be moving backwards. I've talked to a lot of people during this time who feel like in some major ways they're moving backwards. Not in every way, but in some different ways. And I guess what I would say to you is, praise God that he's patient with us. And his patience has not yet run out. Praise God that he is patient with us. Jesus is not being slow, he's being patient. We see this in 1 Timothy 1.16, which says this, For that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So 1 Timothy 1.16, For that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So those words are written by Paul. Paul, before becoming a Christian, was a persecutor of Christians. He, in fact, was an accomplice to the murder of the very first Christian who died for his faith, a man named Stephen. And then Paul became a Christian, and looking back on it, he realized, God should have smote me a long time ago. This is a rough translation here. God should have smote me. I should have gotten the lightning treatment from God a long time ago. And yet, Jesus sought me out. And yet, Jesus is welcoming me into God's family through his life and his suffering and his death. And never forget this part, his resurrection. He has welcomed me, Paul, into God's family. I am the worst of sinners, Paul writes. And yet, here I am. I'm a Christian. And I'm a leader in the church. In fact, I'm starting churches. That's what Paul did for most of his life as a Christian. That's how he, the the Spirit empowered him to, to spread the ministry, the message of Jesus. He would start these different churches. And so his point is, when you look at my life, what you're seeing on display is the immense patience of Jesus. So you and I might look at Paul, who wrote a fair amount of the New Testament. We might say, wow, look at Paul, what a great turnaround. And that's true to an extent. But don't forget the real headline, which is the immense patience of Jesus. When you see a turnaround story in your own life, if your life is a turnaround story, or if you know someone close to you who their life is a turnaround story, 
we need to remember the highlight. The immense patience of Jesus. So how do we cultivate patience in our lives? If patience is central to the character of Jesus, how do you and I lean into the Holy Spirit to cultivate lives, deeper patience in our lives, to cultivate a more Jesus Christ-like character in our lives? Well, I want you to think back to your Olympic platform. You and I can cultivate patience in our lives by realizing we won the gold medal. You won the gold medal. I won the gold medal. Who do I know who most needs Jesus? I won the gold medal. Who do you know who most needs Jesus? You won the gold medal. You're the person you know who most needs Jesus. I'm the person I know who most needs Jesus. That's what Paul realized. He called himself the worst of sinners. He was the person he knew who most needed Jesus. And when he realized, when you realize, when I realize Jesus' patience with us, it makes us more patient people with the people and circumstances in our lives. Because the truth is, as, 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 as difficult as they may be, they're only going to win the silver medal or the bronze medal. They're not the best at this. I'm the best at needing Jesus. You're the best at needing Jesus. And so long as we are not the gold medal winner, it will be easy to become resentful of the people and circumstances we think are the gold medal winner. But as we begin to realize, as Paul did in 1 Timothy 1.16, I'm the gold medal winner, then we begin to see the people and circumstances in our lives a little bit differently. And the patience we are being asked to show in a situation is only a small version of the patience that Jesus has already shown to us. So when you pray to become a more patient person, what I imagine is going to happen is you're going to be introduced to people and situations that are likely to win the bronze medal. And you and I will have to figure out how to deal with those situations in a way that honors God. And it may cause us to become more prayerful people. We may have to just take a quick time out in the midst of something and say, I, I need a second to myself. And you spend that second praying to God, asking, God, Holy Spirit, give me patience. Because the Spirit can do it. He does it all the time. And that might be your little part in it. So if we think about our relationships, for instance, think about your relationships. Think about a relationship where it would be easy for you to check out. Or maybe a relationship where you already are checked out. Or a relationship where it's easy for you to blow up. That's an opportunity to cultivate patience. Pretty easy to be patient with the Mother Teresa-like people in our lives. The folks who do everything nice for us and don't ask much of us. But situations where it would be easier to check out or to blow up, these are opportunities to cultivate patience in our lives. To face trouble or to face delay without blowing up without checking out. This is not, again, like uh, just self-talk. This is leaning into the Holy Spirit, praying for the Holy Spirit to give you patience in these moments. So you might be able to think of a, 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 a relationship where you're facing delay or you're facing trouble. Things are not going the way you want them to go. For a lot, some of us, that may be about every relationship right now. 
When things don't go the way we think they should go, it tends to make us a little bit angry. It tends to amp us up a little bit. And so every relationship may seem like it's not going right right now. So how can we face that situation without blowing up, without checking out? We can't do it on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. The same can be true as we're dealing with uh, people who look to us to help them grow spiritually. We each have, I call them a one more person, but we each have folks who look up to us as what does it mean to either be a Christian or to be exploring the Christian faith. And I'll just say to you, sometimes change is really slow. Change is slow in relationships. Change can be really slow in spiritual growth. And we always hope it'll just be this great linear growth, but sometimes it goes backwards and gets put on the back burner for six months and change is slow. And that could be an opportunity to blow up or to check out, or it could be an opportunity to remember how patient Jesus has been with you and ask him to make you that patient with that person you love. Now, sometimes in these situations, we'll have to put some boundaries in place. I'm not saying boundaries are a bad thing. Sometimes we have to put boundaries in place as we are patient with people. But the overarching point is remembering to be patient with people even as we sometimes have to protect ourselves from them. The same thing could be true in public life or in finances. Which one do you want me to talk about first? Finances. Okay, wonderful. I just have some things written down here. Well, I think finance is a place where, where patience pays off in the long haul because finances is a place where the need for instant gratification can really show itself time and time again. Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. And sometimes we get in such a mess in our finances, we just sort of check out and we keep digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I guess the encouragement here is don't give up, don't check out, don't blow up. Let's make a game plan and ask the Holy Spirit to give us the patience we need to see it through. We didn't get in this mess overnight. This could apply to finance. It could apply to relationships. It could apply to anything. We didn't get in the mess overnight. We're not going to get out of the mess overnight. It's going to require patience. Just day after day after day, making the right decision to move this in a different direction. And that's the sort of patience we probably don't have on our own. That's why the situation is where it is in the first place. So we ask the Holy Spirit to give it to us. In the public life, I was thinking of that quote uh, that Dr. King said. He said a lot of quotes. Uh, But but the uh, second only to Abraham Lincoln, a lot of quotes. But one of them was that the, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And to him, that's an expression of his faith in God. That what he was fighting for and what so many others were fighting for was worth it and it was also worth waiting for. That God was going to do this thing, but it wasn't going to happen instantaneously. It was worth being patient for. So I'm just struck that he really modeled for us in that, not just patience as a private virtue, but patience as a public virtue. Patience as something worth waiting for And that doesn't mean we're not working for it. But realizing our work may not pay off immediately. And so it's worth working for and waiting for. And that's true in the private arena, private arena as well. The point of all this being, primarily when you hear the word patience about the Bible or just in general, 
Don't just think Job. Don't just think, you know, somebody who's totally detached from the world. Patience is about Jesus and how patient Jesus has been with you and has been with me and is with me and is with you. How can we begin to cultivate some of that Jesus-like patience in our lives? Even if we don't do it as well as Jesus, how can we take a step in that direction? So that's my question for you as I wrap my piece up. How can you partner with the Holy Spirit in cultivating patience in your life? How can you partner with the Holy Spirit in cultivating patience in your life? My guess is uh, you've got a lot of opportunities right now. I know I've got a lot of opportunities right now to cultivate patience in my life. But instead of just seeing those people or circumstances as an annoyance, what would happen if we began to see that these are, these are just gifts from God, opportunities to cultivate patience? And, and let me end by just saying congratulations on winning the gold medal. Congratulations on being the person you know who most needs Jesus. The person, and I'm the person I know who most needs Jesus. Because that gold medal should re remind us time and time again, Jesus is immensely patient with us. And he offers us yet again an invitation to come home, to start afresh, to be reconciled to God, to be made new. And maybe that's the thing that for you will most define these months of listening more intently to who God wants you to be. Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, a chance to talk to God, to listen to God about whatever he's stirring up in your heart or in your mind. Just take a quiet moment for personal prayer. Lord, I thank you that you love us just as we are. And you love us so much you don't want us to stay that way. You love us as we are. You are immensely patient with our shortcomings, with our sin, with our rebellion, with how badly our lives miss the mark. Thank you for your immense patience with each of us. Lord, may that patience draw us closer to you. May it cause us to be drawn in by you. To receive your eternal embrace as a gift. And Lord, I thank you. You love us that you don't want us to stay the same way that we are. And so I pray that even in this time we would become people who cultivate a greater patience in our lives. As we look at our relationships, our finances, our opportunities, the things we care about, the people we care about, the responsibilities we have, the commitments we've made, I pray we will become people of deeper patience. And not to say, look at us, 
but to say, look at what Jesus has done in my life. Lord, I pray during this time, those of us who are ready to come home to receive your patience and your embrace as the defining relationship of our lives, I pray we would open up our hearts to you. And I pray we'll do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is our time where we usually collect the prayer requests and offerings. So if you have a prayer request, remember to send those to us at davidsonprayer at lakeforest.org. And you can make an online gift at lakeforest.org slash give. Or you can mail your check to our church office. But we love you guys. Let's worship together.